Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about gatekeeping. Today, I'm going to do things just a little differently. Instead of one guest, I'll be joined by a small panel, including Pussycat Onyx, Master J Tobias, and Hunter. If some of what you hear today touches a nerve, then I think we've done a good job. Enjoy the episode. Okay, I'm going to jump right out of the gate and get right to the point because some of you may be asking, what is gatekeeping? So gatekeeping is generally defined as, and I'm going to give you a small version. It can be expanded even more broadly. But if I want to just break it down in most general terms, gatekeeping is defined as the activity of controlling, uh, very often limiting general access to something or a space. And this could be general access to groups of people, general access to an event, or even in this context in the fetish realm, like a play space or a party or something else that you want to go to. Um, I can hear some of, you know, you listeners now going, um, but the fetish community is so open and welcoming. And why would we ever need to talk about something like gatekeeping when we're all fighting for inclusivity? And I'm sorry if I sound a little bit snarky, but I mean, let's call a spade a spade, folks. It's really not this easy. And it's not like this at all. And, you know, I want you to think, you know, how many of you listening to this now have ever felt excluded from a group, excluded from a conversation? Um, You know, as a kid, you may have been excluded from games or playing with other kids, you know, and this in itself is also in a very simplest way and maybe even your earliest forms of encountering gatekeeping. So I think we've all encountered it at different points in our lives. Um, And I think it's, you know, when we think about the importance of our interactions with other people, and then somebody basically controlling us or telling us that we can't do it or we can't have it. Um, and when we're especially talking about access and interactions, I'll give you a really good example here. And I only have two words to say. Recon chat. So many people have been asking for years and years and years and years, why don't you guys bring back recon chat? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons that it went away was because of the bloody gatekeepers. And in this instance, if I can explain, we had a group of self-appointed gatekeepers of the chat group who would basically be kicking people out of chats or telling people they didn't belong into this group or that group or somebody else. And they were almost becoming monitors of the chat group themselves. No idea who appointed these people, the gatekeepers. If you can see me, I'm getting the quotes up. Um, But that's what happened. And the knock-on effect of that was we started getting emails and comments and feedback from people basically complaining about the gatekeepers that, you know, the chat was supposed to be something where we wanted to encourage people to connect, but they couldn't connect with the people they wanted to because the gatekeepers were telling them that they couldn't. So for us, the question then became, well, how do you manage it? And at the beginning, we started thinking, okay, should we ban the gatekeepers. You know, not necessarily that we wanted to silence anyone, but we tried messaging a few people via the profiles, you know, to explain that we wanted the place to be open and accessible and this is what it should be and for them to allow people to interact as they see fit. You know, there were so many different chat groups that you could create. And if you didn't want to be in a chat group with someone, you could always go to another one. So it was fine. You didn't need to be there. But of course, you know, it was also 
done by fetish or by kink interest. So you might go into the rubber chat or the leather chat or the dom chat or something else. And each of these little chats over time developed some form of gatekeeping. And it literally became an absolute nightmare to manage. And I wish I could go back and read you some of the complaints and things that people came, but it almost became impossible to manage because then we would have had to ban everyone, you know? And I think on the other side of it is, one of the things we thought too, it's already only a small subset of people, maybe something else you guys also don't know. When you think about how many members were on recon at one particular point in time, I think there were only about 330. I'm sure that number is right. 330 people that ever used the chat function. So out of more than a million people, only 330 at that particular point in time, only three, about 330 people ever used it. And at any given point in time, let's say, 150. But you have a group of 10 people who decide that they're going to be the gatekeepers and manage and challenge and kick everyone else out. It doesn't make it a fun space. It doesn't make it inclusive. You know, you're creating then this exclusive zone, this exclusion zone. And I I think you do yourselves, you do your community, your fellow members, an absolute disservice when you start to do this. You know, when I'm thinking about other events I go to and other socials, you know, you always hear people talking about, as I said before, also these people who are the self-appointed fetish royalty. I don't know who these people are, but they themselves also in a way have become this, this kind of gatekeeper into these spaces we go into. And I'm thinking... Who the hell gave you the right to decide whether or not I belong in this space? And it's really quite interesting, you know, 17 years in this job, working for Recon, 17 years and a bit. My 17-year anniversary was last weekend, uh, the Folsom Berlin weekend. And, you know, it was also over the 17 years, I can tell you that I have experienced gatekeeping in quite a few different forms. And it always surprises me that it's very often by the people who themselves claim to be championing inclusivity. And I'm thinking, how can you be doing that? But what you're doing is you're creating an exclusion zone. You're putting up barriers. You're limiting access, you know, to your space. You're limiting access to brotherhood, to camaraderie. You're limiting access to education. Um, you know, and one of the things we like to you know, to do, you know, we always claim that the Recon app is about making meaningful connections, making greater connections. And if anything, this is what we as a community need to continue to be trying to do. And we can only do this if we actually create the space for people to come in. You start gatekeeping and you're throwing up rules and regulations and telling people they don't fit, they don't belong, your gear is wrong, blah, blah, blah. You're not creating inclusivity at all. Let's call it. You're, you're gatekeeping. And we need to challenge the gatekeepers. You know, you know, I'm in one city, I travel around to lots of others, but I'm sure it happens in quite a few other spaces. And my guests today are gonna challenge some of you too. So I'll let you guys decide who want to go first. But, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm joined by three guests today. And this is the first time that our podcast is coming this way, more like in a panel discussion rather than one-to-one. So we've got Hunter, Pussycat and Master J Tobias. So I'll go with where you are on my screen. So Master J Tobias, please welcome to the Recon Podcast on our topic of gatekeeping. I'd like you to tell the guests, each of you in turn, just a little bit about who you are, what you do, you know, how you fit into this 
amazing landscape of our fetish kinky community. Um, and then we can dig into the points of sharing your experience um, and your thoughts on gatekeeping. Master Jay Tobias. Anton, first and foremost, I want to thank you for your 17 years of service, not only to Recon, but not, but to widely, widely internationally to our um, fetish kink leather everything community. I want to really just applaud you for your your level of service. And then to my brother who I love so dearly, Pusscat. Um, Thank you. The, travel, the traveling diva that's just been smashing it. I'm just honored to be here um, amongst this panel. And Hunter, I'm sure I'll get to know you a little bit better. But my body of work um, has recently exploded. 2023 has been absolutely amazing to me. Um, not only my journey, but my my passions has really spoken to my passions. Um, I finally launched my book, Leather Mentorship, um, on the 27th of July in Sydney, Australia. I sold out in all of my book signings in Sydney, in San Francisco, at Mr. S. Leather. Now my books are housed at Mr. S. Leather in San Francisco, uh, which I was going to announce, but Welcome Recon is going to, Recon is getting it. Then moving on to Atlanta, my book signing coming home um, sold out as well. So the book has been very well received. But going back a few years, my body of work has always, always been mentorship and education, um, pushing the next generation forward. I also have a brand, an annual theme party called Bulge, like Bulge in your pants. And um, it's a it dedicates 100% of all proceeds that go to a 501c3 organization, 100% of all proceeds go there. And I teach also in several different locations as far as CLAW, BBM. I've judged several contests. I have a couple of lineups that's coming, a couple of keynote speeches. And um, I just try to lead with love with everything that I do. So once again, Recon, Antoine, um, other panelists, I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Master J. Tobias. Um, Pussycat, you want to go next? Yeah, so I am Pussycat Onyx. Um, first of all, I want to echo uh, Master Tobias and thanking you, Anton, for everything that you've done. And I know I've told you over and over before that I'm partly where I am because of you. Um, uh, Tobias, you know, I, I highly look up to you as well. Um, Hunter, this is our first engagement of meeting. Um, so for the audience, I am the current international Mr. Rubber. Um, on top of that, I am the president of Onyx Deep South, and I also sit on the Onyx, the Onyx National Council as a council member. Um, for me, you know, <laughs> this topic is very interesting. Um, throughout my most of all of my journey has always been involved around gatekeeping, and it actually has propelled me to be the individual that I am today about. And I'm very big on um, breaking barriers and breaking boundaries and, and, and pushing the envelope. Um, and a lot of it is just through, throughout my expression and how I carry myself and how I move throughout the community. And it's, it's not really about me, but it's about the community members that are on the side who, whom see them, who am able to see a piece of themselves in me as I move through some of these spaces that are not always welcoming. And you have the gatekeepers that are just. I'm constantly putting up barriers for those who are in, especially our marginalized communities. Thank you, Pussycat. And Hunter, welcome to the Recon Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm Hunter, uh, he, they pronouns. 
And I have my fingers and hands in many pots. Um, I uh, find myself on various panels. I sometimes um, uh, act as a diversity consultant, critic, uh, also work a lot with the academic community who is interested in exploring um, GOC matters, also lays with the chemsex research community. Um, but today I'm here as an envoy from uh, Rainbow Noir, the Manchester residing people of color queer support network. Uh, that is now spreading out. So we've got subgroups all across the UK and you can find us online. And one of these sub, several of these subgroups are really applying to today. So uh, the KOC network, the Kings of Colors, uh, which is for men and mask identifying folks. Um, if you want to get in touch, please uh, feel free to contact me and I'll pass you details on. Or the KPOC Kiki group, which is for kinky people of color of all genders. And also um, the <laughs> amazing Wyanson night that happens here in Manchester, centering on um, people of color's experience um, at the intersection of kink and inclusion. So it's great to be amongst these, uh, you veterans here. Thank you for joining us. I think maybe since we ended with you, maybe we should start the other bit with you, because I know that you guys up there <laughs> in Manchester have been super, super active. And I think one of the, you know, it's very interesting for listeners, you know, there are all lots of other subgroups and little chat groups and all the other things are always going on. And it's always very interesting to find out what's going on in other cities, you know, either nearby or further afield from where you live. Um, you know, Manchester isn't necessarily that far, but it's also not that close. I don't get to go as mm. often as I like, but it's really good to be able to have this kind of touch point with, you know, um, the KOC community, the Kingsters of Colour community up in Manchester. So we know what's going on. So kudos to you guys and especially uh, Rainbow Noir um, for keeping this going and keeping the conversation lively, sometimes very juicy. Um, but it's good, <laughs> you know. Years. When, yeah, Ten when years these things year. come, we've got to tackle them. So you guys, so why don't you tell us what's happening up there in Manchester? Oh my God. <laughs> so Raymond Art, 10 years this year, a big birthday year. Um, I've been actively participating for the last eight. Um, and yeah, Manchester, when it comes to gatekeeping, is a really, really interesting space because it is large enough to have a big catchment area of, you know, a decent population of various communities, but also small enough to be really well connected. And a lot of the gatekeeping be this positive and desirable gatekeeping as in mentorship, allyship, and, you know, building communities that, you know, support uh, vulnerable or minority groups uh, happens. But also we do get all of the bad type of gatekeeping where, you know, it's very clear who some spaces are designed for, who's being thought of, and which communities are superfluous. So, uh, yeah, a lot is happening. We've got a really, really well-thriving rubber community. The leather community had a really, really big kickstart. And now uh, actively, you know, um, in the past five years, especially, you know, a POC drive for emancipation and uh, claiming, demanding space and recognition here is happening really, really actively. And, and it's really, really great to see Recon support this so actively as well. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely where a lot is happening. What do you think your your biggest challenge is in Manchester oh. <laughs> for Rainbow Noir and the KOC? What's your biggest challenge, do you think? When it comes to gatekeeping, what do you think your biggest challenge is? So Rainbow Noir works on a really informal level. So we actually gatekeep ourselves in a way that, you know, we through word of mouth, through parades and through very informal networks, we 
grow. Um, when it, and and that's because we focus on you know the most vulnerable members amongst us. That is, they are who dictate the speed. And if anybody wants to um, step further. <laughs> um enter space that maybe aren't primarily designed for PLCs. You know, we have a support, you can buddy up, you can go, you can make you can make a very well whatever it is you want. Um now what what is missing is probably um more support from the space that we'd like to participate in, that we'd like to join. Um uh, and 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 continue this debate, continue this conversation to to be more actively invited. I think uh is a very vague answer, but uh... <laughs> no, it's what your it's it's your challenge, you know. So <laughs> I, there's you mentioned something very interesting in there, but I want to get some little touch points with everyone, and then I'm going to come back to that because this is one I thought I've never really thought about it this way before, and I like to be challenged also when I'm listening to things like this. So, um, Master J Tobias. Okay. Um... I was really thinking about this as I um, started my workout this morning and I really wanted to be very specific because this, well, not early on in my leather journey, my leather, um, my leather path was I gatekeeped. I wasn't gatekeeped. Well, they didn't start gatekeeping me until I started educating, until I started traveling, until I was more visible. Um, but from an organizational standpoint, that's where I mainly saw the gatekeeping. So as I really thought about this, gatekeeping, in my perspective, Hunter, no disrespect to the beautiful tapestry of words that you gave for yours, but I think that gatekeeping is good and is bad. It has its good points and it's had, and it has its bad points. So I jotted them down so I can banter and volley back back and forth with you, Anton, on that subject. Yes. But the first one is the preservation of culture. Gatekeepers can <clears throat> gatekeepers can can help preserve the integrity and authenticity that we have as Leathermen and as kinky folks. But to the newcomers, they can be very instrumental with that. And then you go back down into quality control. The quality control of what we do is so specific and gatekeepers can maintain the standards and quality within a community or field by ensuring that those who gain entry are genuinely, genuinely committed, <laughs> committed and qualified because people have to be vetted. You have to be vetted in order to elevate and Pusscat and I, we we talk about different and various um, things that that makes us a stronger community collectively, and that quality control type of gatekeepers is only there to better us. And let's talk about the transferring of knowledge. Let's talk about that. Gatekeepers often serve as mentors and guides, passing down knowledge, skills, wisdom to the next generation, helping to keep the value of traditions alive. Now, those type of gatekeepers, I can rock with them any day of the week, but they can flip to the negative side as well, too, because they don't want you, the newcomer, to appear more elevated or more knowledgeable than them. They want to be a sourceful resource to go to come back to and to always be relevant, relevant. So the last one on the good side is community cohesion. Gatekeepers can foster a sense of unity and belonging 
among community members who share common values and experiences. I think that's where I am. I want to not only pass down my classes and what I taught, but I want to pass it on specifically for those like-minded individuals who are going in the same direction that I'm going in. And sometimes they may veer off on their own, but that's the good side of it. So I'll digress from there because the opposite side is 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 not as not as nice. Well, I mean, at the moment, we're all seem to be, you know, talking about the positive side. And this was the thing that I picked up yeah. on. Um, not to cut you off, Pussycat, but this is the thing I picked up on in Hunters, because I don't think that I personally ever thought of positive gatekeeping. And I suppose that in a lot of different establishments and businesses and organizations and groups, there is definitely a very visible form of positive gatekeeping, which is really very good. As you say, when we think about maintaining integrity and authenticity, and this could be of a product, of an organization, of a society, but the challenge that also still becomes the the task of the gatekeeper as the organization, the board, the gatekeeper as the individual, do they open the gate, lower the gate? What do they do with this vetting process when the new person wants to come in. And this is also where the challenge also becomes, and then exclusion can also sometimes come in. But I'm going to run back to that one. Let me get Pussycat in here first, and then I run back to the other, because I've got something I want to say. <laughs> I'm waving my finger here, folks. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, you know, I do agree with Tobias. Yes, there are positive and negatives, but it's also a very thin line, right? Um, when you're navigating these spaces. And a lot of times, a lot of times when we're looking at seasoned, especially seasoned folks that are doing some, a lot of the gatekeeping, um, they're not looking at it from their privilege. They're not looking at it from their journey. They're just kind of like trying to dictate and exclude other individuals. Um, and not the art of mentorship have gone has is is a losing art. All right, um, we're having less and less mentors out here that are actually mentoring and educating, not mentoring and dictating. And I think that's the biggest difference. And I think that when we look at the, when we look at gatekeeping, it is doing so much harm in our community that I don't think people I think people realize it. But I also think that we as community members have to call it out. And a lot of times we just overlook it because we are like, oh, that's just that individual. Don't pay that individual attention. But then we don't circle back around and one, educate the person who got caught up in the gatekeeping to creating that safe space for those individuals. And a lot of times they end up either one, if they're involved in a certain community, they leave that community and find another community to be involved in, or sometimes they leave the fetish community altogether. So I think that we have to go back to understanding that the harm that gatekeeping, whether the person is trying to come from a positive standpoint or not, it is the way that it's being done and the way that it's delivered um, can be very harmful. And I mean, I've had several experiences where um, gatekeeping kind of came into play and it's like, well, this is your opinion. And if, and had I not been strong enough and been the individual that I am, it could have spit me around and turned me around and not be a part of the community. It's one of the things we, we touched on and I'll go back to in in Berlin at Folsom last weekend I did a panel discussion on the stage and it was about kind of like making space for the youth the kinkster youth of tomorrow the people who are going to carry on our legacy when we as educators move on but the challenge then becomes 
you know, this is the thing. As leaders now, are we prone to just become gatekeepers of the future or are we actually going to be able to step aside and actually take on the role of mentorship and guiding and leading the other people for tomorrow? Because if the organizational leaders and group leaders club, if you can't step aside and let somebody else have a voice, have an expression, have an opportunity to share, and it will always go back to the responsibility we have as if I even dare to say, you know, faces, prominent faces in the community, we have to be able to also guide and educate and mentor. And if we don't do that, we will be failing our future. You know, we will be failing our legacy. And I've seen it also in a lot of our other organizations, you know, the same person, and I would say in charge, but for this discussion, it's the same person in power for all this time. And I'm thinking like, when are you going to let somebody else step in here and have a go? You know, and it's one of the things I talked about on the panel, you know, and I said, I cannot be always the face and I cannot be always the person at the forefront. Somebody else will have to come and do this. And I think this is the other thing that we have to be brave enough as leaders, as faces, as educators, as mentors, to be able to actually acknowledge that we don't know everything and we should not be afraid to learn from other people. And of course, if you gatekeep you're doing your own organization a very big disservice and you have no idea what you actually may be excluding if you continue to do that you know it's the same thing yeah go ahead but but, but i think it's important that we understand that as a community we have to evolve yeah the things and and the protocols and some of the way things were being done 10 plus years prior we're now in a in a community and we're now moving forward and things are going to be done slightly different. And if we do not continue to keep evolving, the community is going to get stagnant. And the numbers are going to start declining. So I think that we just have to go back. And then it goes back to also when as we move forward and new leaders are emerging and we have our seasoned leaders there, at some point you have to be willing to step to the side. And, and get a, and let the fresh ideas and let the fresh leadership come in and keep moving the community forward and be there to support them. The, the and because the exact same thing happened to the generations before. Yeah. Everyone didn't just pop up and become this leader and be doing all these things in the community without somebody prior to them doing the work and stepping to the side saying, okay, take the torch and move forward with it. So it's just, it, the same thing has to happen. What I will say is that more importantly, the foundation has to be laid. We need to make sure that these people who are going to come after us, we need to make sure that whether or not they agree with it or not. I didn't agree when I first was under Sir Mario. I didn't agree with anything that he said, but at least he laid the foundation for me to build upon. And not only that, the people who are passing this information on, they have to have the the know-how and the discernment to move their ass to the side and still continue the body of work, but you need to empower the people that are coming behind you. We need to encourage them also. And not just like, like for instance, I was talking to you, Puskit, I think a couple of weeks ago, these doors that I'm opening for the new generation, they're teaching in my place at BBM, at CLAW, in other spaces that I teach. But not only that, but I'm going to support them by attending the event as I always do. 
except they will be teaching in my place. That's not just holding the door, but that's holding the door and sitting in the audience and watching um, everything that you work so hard for come to full fruition. And we have to make sure that we empower them, as you said, and move out of the way. But they have to have the foundation that's laid the right way. I wonder, you know, and this is another question, something I challenge myself with also. And I think there are a few things I want to go through. But I think if we stick on the same topic of, you know, organization and leadership, and especially what keeps rolling in my head is the, the, the need, the absolute importance of maintaining integrity and authenticity in any organization or in anything that we do, any foundation we try to build or any group we try to build. But when... At which point does maintaining integrity and authenticity become exclusionary? At which point, where is the line when someone who really wants to be a part isn't invited in? Where is that line? Who makes that line? I mean, I, I we use we use what inclusive space or how, how this is a term that really celebrates the moment. Uh, it is a word that I don't use in my practice. I replaced with uh, intentional for. So no space is inherently inclusive. It is intended for. And you can make the active choice to want to include a wider audience or wider group than you currently are. And um, and that is how you become more diverse. Uh, but even, even the space that tries to be as intentional for many communities, uh, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily in, inclusive um, because... Often, unless you are willing to, you know, as as you said, uh, hand over this this uh, power, uh, it can can be quite paternalistic almost, or or um, and and that itself, I'm not trying not to judge about it. Not every space is for me, and every space should be for me. But where it comes really problematic is if the same type of community keeps on shafted, you know, being deprioritized of being included. Then we talk about systemic processes of. Um, Oppression, exclusion, etc. However, whichever vocabulary language you you you're um, comfortable with, and so yeah, handing over this power I think is really important. But then also, you know, when you retrain, when you repeat these rituals annually, you know, what? How do they become? How do they get new meetings? How does every new event, every new meet, um, is how is are they different? Which changes are happening, and for whom are they? And um, you can choose not to think about that. You can run the same event year after year after year, and and it'll be probably great for people who attend. But uh, if you really want to create meaningful change, critically reflect on you know who is missing, who is not here, why are not here, and am I willing to do the work to get these people in? Because then the onus is on you as the event organizer or me as <laughs> the um, the host. Just, you know, have I done my homework? Because new communities aren't going to turn up um, because I want them to. I need to do the work first and then they come. That is the job of a good host. Um, and uh, the onus is not on the excluded community to make the effort to be, have the courage to come. Uh, and, and reshifting the conversation, reshifting the the, the onus of work um, lies with um the masters, the whoever, uh, whoever is in charge. Um, Anton, if I may. Yes. These bar these barriers of entry, right? Mm. The, the barriers of entry are the producers. They are the event coordinators. 
leaders. And if your advertisement is not pushing that narrative visibly forward, that's telling me if you, and it's simple, it's, it's intentional. If you don't have a person of color um, as, as rainbow as you can possibly get it, you're not speaking to me. If you have, um, if you want to target more people, people of color or indigenous people, you don't call your, your bar night that night, brown night. You want to be really intentional <laughs> because words fucking matter. Words matter. And, and Anton, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you you're talking can, about. You cannot have big, you see this lube bottle? You cannot have fonts on there with big brown writings that say brown night and the font is in these big brown letters as if we have big lips. That's not inviting me in. That's tokenizing me and it's objectifying my culture. That's we worse than tokenizing. Just, <laughs> right. We have to be smart thinkers if you're going to be barriers of entry and make sure that, that those entry points are intentionally inviting everyone in. That's, it's, I mean, it's hurtful as I say this, and it, I was reminded right before I left um, the UK that I saw a flyer that said that, and I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and see what, what this is about. And sure enough, there were, <laughs> there were people of color in this space. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. How, how in the hell can that be a, a positive buzzword for you to attend something like that? So I said, is the owner, you know, you know me, Anton, I come in. Is the <laughs> owner here? Can I can I can I speak with the owner? You know, it's it's just we have to be not challenge those spaces because even from inclusive to exclusive spaces, we have enough room for all of us to thrive. All of us, even if it's very specific groups. All of us can thrive. But when you don't invite, if you have a public space and you're intending for it to be public, everyone needs to be on that flyer that needs to be represented under the, the umbrella of colors that we that we are. And the wonderful thing about like <laughs> any minority community is that we're well connected. We <laughs> we have our people, we know what's going on and bad events, you know, the news travels very fast. But also if there's a new space that does the effort, that also that news travels very fast. I mean, <laughs> I mentioned some of the networks, um, but also very informal ways. Um, but we, <laughs> I don't know. Talk. I mean, for me, you know, what we if we're going to go and start talking about advertisement and and safe spaces, um, I think the new bandwagon is trying to you know market your space as being open and in as inclusive as most as possible to certain demographics, but it's just it it is still steps further than the action of marketing because you can market it and have a person of color and and have all these different people on the on the flyer but then when you go into the bar you have those gatekeepers who again make you feel uncomfortable it could even it goes down to even gatekeepers who are challenging people's gear for an event or for a space mm-hmm. we all know that gear can be kind of we all we all know uh, gear can be expensive. Everyone don't have the privilege to have a new piece of gear or different pieces of gear for every single thing. But then you have the gatekeepers coming in and saying, well, that's not formal enough. That's not barware. That's not this, that's not that. And it, it really drives those individuals who might, this might be their first or second time even coming into the establishment. 
Let's take a short little break for like two minutes. Hold that thought and listeners, we will be right back. The thing I want to address when we come back is that kind of silent gatekeeping, which is very loud. We don't need them to speak. It's silent, but ooh, it's loud. There's no mistaking that silent gatekeeping. We will be right back. Need something tight and shiny for a special event? Want ideas for your next session? At Regulation, we're stocking thousands of products, including leather, rubber, toys, electro, restraints, and playroom furniture. Now shipping worldwide, or get free UK shipping when you spend over £25, visit our London store or shop online at regulation.co.uk. Regulation. Kink. Delivered. So welcome back from the break. Before we went away, we started touching on the topic of um, what I would call that kind of silent uh, gatekeeping. And, you know, it's almost a little subversive, you know, like the shark waiting to attack. You walk into the shark space and instead of attacking right away, they just kind of turn around and give you the back. You know, and it's that kind of thing when you walk into a club or you walk into a space and I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder, but you feel this a lot more if you have a little melanin. However, there is also, Pussycat, you also mentioned something, you know, about this other form of gatekeeping. You're coming into spaces and people will judge you for what you're wearing. Your gear isn't right. Your look isn't right. Um, and I can't say that, you know, this is just particular to one group. This is particular to so many different facets and so many different levels of groups of people within the fetish community. You know, you face gatekeepers walking into bars or clubs or venues if they feel you don't look the part. And I happen to know, I've experienced this myself and, you know, in other places you walk in and the look is like, you, you can feel the people and I'm not being, you know, crazy, but you can feel the look of people going, you don't belong here, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very, it becomes very loud. When you're in that space and you feel like this is somewhere, um, you know, as you mentioned, Hunter, where you feel like it is a space intended for you and other people make you feel like this is not a space for you, A, because you're not dressed right, you don't look right. It becomes a thing of, you know, age becomes a factor. Um, there are so many different levels of it. And I think we need to, as a community, be even more aware of these little silent gatekeeping episodes that we can so often inflict on our our community, our brothers, you know, who we want them to be, our brothers and king, our brothers and fetish, but it's so easy to turn your back and exclude them. And I know this personally from going into another space, very interesting, you know, as much as I love my False in Europe event, I just spoke to another person who told me that also he felt so excluded at Folsom. And I was like, how can you? And like, this is, there are so many people that were so crowded, it was so busy and it was popular. And he was explaining to me, you know, like he tried to go around and chat to people and make friends, but, you know, people were like turning their backs and he felt everywhere he went that he was excluded. And this is another kind of gatekeeping where you're excluded from 
not just on the even basic level of having interaction with someone or having a greeting, but this then moves to another level because he's excluded from a gathering, a small gathering. Um, and this is also, you know, an exclusion from people when we always say, you know, our community is so open and welcoming. We talk to everyone, heifers, bitches. No, you do not. No, you I do not talk agree. to everyone. You other a lot of other people all the time. You don't talk to everyone. You're not so opening. And I think what people don't understand so much is the effect this can have on the person who wants to feel like, as you said before, you know, this is a space. It's their first time coming. It's a space where they feel like this should be an event for them. If you're a Kingster, no matter where the hell you come from, this should be a place that you should feel is for you. And we have a responsibility to make these people feel like they are welcome, not to other them, not to exclude them and not to be gatekeepers, you know, and it's it's very easy to walk into a space that's full of people and to feel like you're alone. And if you haven't felt that before, I mean, kudos to you. You know, and I would also say this, 17 years in this business, I have felt it many a time. And even recently, Those you know, you walk are... into a space, people know who you are. It's like, you can't pretend you don't know me. You can't pretend you don't see me because you can't see me. There's no not seeing me. Like all the lights are on. You can see me. Do you know what I mean? The lights are not off. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, exactly. We have and in, in, it's in very here. interesting that people can gatekeep this way. And when they do this, it gatekeeps you from having this kind of interaction, a social activity, a getting to know people and getting into or feeling like this is an inclusive event, a space that was meant for you, somewhere you belong. Um, I'm sure you all have got a number of experiences or incidences where this has happened. And what I want to know is one, like, tell me what happened. And if you dealt with it, how you dealt with it, how you manage it. And what I want to get to like later on down, I'm, I want to come back to how we can deal with this in the future, because it, it is still something that personally still triggers me this many, you know, this many years on. I'm like, okay, this should feel like a really cool space where I feel like I can come, but I don't feel welcome here. So I'm going to trottle down back to my hotel and have a good night in my room, you know, watching a movie. And this should not happen to anyone in our community. And it's really sad that it happens far too often. Puska, you want to go uh, first? Hunter, you guys I think, yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many different incidents, uh, instances, yeah. but you know, for me, and like I say, and that's why I really put myself out there to um, take the blunt of some of this. Um, a big thing is like with gear um, and going into spaces and not having the proper gear, you know, and one, if I see it, I call it out. And I also pull the person to the side and really talk to them and let them know, like, look, what you have on this fine? Everyone can't, you know, people see, they see me come out and they're like, oh, you know, you have all this gear and this and the other. I'm like, first of all, there's a certain way that I do it. I don't buy it all at one time. Um, and it's the accumulation process. But that's for me. This stuff is not cheap. So I know everyone is not in everyone's budget to buy all of this gear and buy all this gear once, especially if there's something that they're trying to discover themselves in and that when you see that person gatekeeping and trying to belittle or trying to call out a person that is inappropriate have a conversation I, I have a conversation with the person you know because a lot of times and i've had conversations with uh, one individual 
Whereas I'm like, okay, so you are like 12 years into your leather journey. This person is brand new. But as we're talking, you're telling me that all, most of your first sets of leathers were handed and gifted to you. It's a whole different environment than someone who did not have that opportunity. And it started from scratch. And they don't have the basics. So you have to go, you do have to, sometimes you do have to challenge individuals. Then some, pe some people are not going to like it. Some people are going to have a comeback. But the only way that you nip it and stop it, and hopefully that they don't do that same thing to the next individual, is addressing it. And so often, so many times, I see it over and over again. I see it on social media. I also see it in other areas, whereas you see this gatekeeping with individuals and then you overlook it and you will still have that sidebar conversation with the person that was might have been harmed, but you don't go back to the person who actually did the gatekeeping. Exactly. And all they're going to do is continuously to do it, continuously to do it. I don't mind doing it. I, I mean, because I know what it was like me coming in as coming in as a feminine male and being told, oh, well, you're you're automatically a boy. And um, boys don't run and be in leadership of a of an organization or a leather club. Okay, so where'd you get that from? And even then, I was like, you know what? A part of me was like, hmm. But then it all, all it did is propel me to want to do it even more. Exactly. To show that but, you can do it. When it comes down to when it comes down to, we're talking about color. Let's talk about let's talk about gatekeepers when we're talking about color. It's a very thin line between preference and prejudice. And I had to learn that the hard way, the hard way. So we're talking about that. Gatekeeping from that perspective looks different. When you're talking about gear, when you're talking about gear, and I've come to these spaces, I'm sure all of you guys have as well, when my gear was very, to them, very substandard of the gear that I earned from Sir Mario but the gear that I had on was sufficient to me. So when I was marginalized in those spaces or gate kept, gate kept in those spaces like that, I just took off more. I took it off and I'll just show more. So I know that I'm, I'm exposing myself to the point like that, but I'm a nudist. So that's my level of comfort anyway. So that sword that you're swinging to cut me, it's only making me stronger. So I would take off you know, Sir Mario's vest. And that for the longest time, I had his collar for the longest time with my same original lock. And then I took that off. This is in that space that's trying to gatekeep me. Even when they're when you're at the bar, they're making sure, and it's very subtle, when they turn their back to you, they see you. Oh yeah, they see you. But their backs are to you sort of like this, the strong arm to make sure you not only see the shit, but you feel it. So you can't have a conversation with someone whose back is to you. So I just, I took off less. And that made me, time after time after time, after going back to this space, is showing my strength. Even if faking it until you make it was, was my, my intention, I had to make sure that I hardened myself for people like that. And now I've conquered those people. And sometimes you have to go the hard route. You have to fight through the, the oppression and the suppression in this community. And I wrote this piece a few years ago, which is a broken system within a broken system. That is exactly what we are sometimes. But we have to see ourselves and where we want to be, not where they see us. And I think that is 
the challenge is, is that everyone is not in the places that we are with our mental health and mentally to navigate some of these spaces. You know, like Anton mentioned at Folsom, hearing what he mentioned about the individual who said they didn't feel included and it was a very hard time, I can blankly see that and I was there as well. The difference is I have to check my privilege and understand that I was a, I'm a title holder now getting that space. But if I was probably not a title holder now getting that space and had not met a lot of pe- individuals prior to me going, I would probably be in the same boat. Because I felt leaving Folsom, I felt it was very cliquish. If everybody was in their groups, and and I and Anton, I mentioned it even on stage and said, if if reach out to someone that you see and say hi, that is not the normal person that you would normally see or speak to. And I purposely said that is because that yeah. was the feeling throughout the whole weekend that I was there. You did, you know. You have to call out a spade, a spade. You have to call it out. It's like, you know, you will have the leather group of, of X and the leather group of Y. And it's like the leather group of X is in is with their little group. The, the leather group of Y is in their little group. And, everybody, you know, everybody's all in all these little groups. And no one is, like, really talking to each other. It was more of a social gathering for those that you already knew. And if you are, if this is your first time, sorry. And they look at it, most people who gatekeep in, in that way that you're saying, they look at it as an element of preference. I just prefer to be around muscle guys who party or do this or I'm allegedly do partying and all this stuff. They want to be around people that that, you know, that shoot steroids and all this stuff, a certain look. They want to be around people that look like themselves. But this is a fucking rainbow. This is not a, a, a blank flag, just a, a blank white flag. This is a flag with multi-colors, multi-layers, multi-kinks um, and fetishes and all of that under it. So if that's the reason why we should be diversified intentionally, and those people who look a certain way should be the main ones that should be more open and more more broad in their broadband of the community. Not so minuscule where they only just see people that look like themselves and they only wanna talk to people that look like themselves. I mean, we just gotta break down these barriers. The question is, how can we get everyone on board to do that? And it starts really small. It starts with the leaders of the community like us on the panel to work our way down to constantly say it in every single venue that we go to, every single space that we go to. Between the four of us, I bet we all go to every single leather event in the system. And we need to spread that word all the way down. Is that, like Puskat said, that's brilliant. Speak with someone that you normally wouldn't speak with or speak to them. Make them feel welcome and included. So yeah, I'm on board with that. You know, Pussycat, I'm glad you said that on stage as well, you know, because it was streamed out, you know, globally. So hopefully that was a message that went out worldwide that day. You know, it's a really important message. And I probably think, you know, it's we take it for granted far too often that we just automatically assume that people, you know, would say, oh, we've always been told to, you know, reach out to someone. But we don't do it that often. You know, it was interesting being told by somebody once they would have left an event before if I didn't go up and talk to them. You know, I just saw them standing on the side and I was thinking, that poor kid has been standing by himself the whole night long. I thought, let me go over there and at least say hello and like, welcome, you know, and 
it was a really very simple thing to do. But 12 years later, I'm still such good friends with this guy. And that's only because I took the opportunity to say hello. And it's also one of those things of realizing that we as a community can do the really simplest thing to, I guess, break down these gatekeeping barriers. Even if you just say hello to someone, you can really make or break or shape someone's experience. And you almost begin to define their their entry into the scene. You, you, you get to define their own internal definition of, okay, there is no, you know, the gatekeeping here is, it's mythical. I walked into the space and it's open. It's welcoming. It is that thing, that little community thing that we keep talking about that we are all the time. You know, this is how we be actually begin to kick that into being, you know, sure. really, really very simple. Hunter, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, I've been taking down notes and, and you were really on the run. I didn't want to jump in there. Um, kink is a very interesting thing because it's by virtue of being expensive and the events, having to travel there, having to probably take a hotel or um, requires a lot of resource. And then you say you make yourself vulnerable, you know, whatever you think is pretty or sexy or hot, however you want to feel yourself, you know. That's an emotional investment as well. And then to go into space to be the only one of your kind, however you want to define that, um, that's a really high gamble. And and uh, not too many people want, would do that. Uh, I mean, I have no shame. <laughs> I was that guy. And uh, <laughs> I continue to be. But I think the, the average <laughs> saner person um uh, has reservations and 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 um yeah that's kind of been the uh, the, the the idea of you know, how how the men's PRC networks work you know we are uh, a group you know and some of us you know who are may I don't want to say braver but you know <laughs> who, who are willing to take that risk yeah I'm confident been around the block just you know know the scene who maybe have some contacts and you know don't mind being the only person of their kind, but they have other friends, other allies there who they know who is an ally, which, um, um, and then, you know, slowly, yeah, expand the circle, bring people in, but the work cannot be only the work of, you know, us, um, kings of color or whatever, uh, whatever other community on the margins we, we may be. The majority in the Brunswick and it needs to run with the organizers and and they need to develop a reputation of you know looking after and actively inviting and doing their work to um open the doors and keep them open uh which requires more tokenism you know we talked at the very beginning about that little spider sense that we all have you know is this for me or not that takes like one or two seconds right uh and it's very very clear if somebody like us was part in design if they had decision-making powers so either the uh, whoever is organizing the event um they have to have the reputation or they have to earn the trust from that community our community or surrender active decision-making powers and let us make changes give us the power to include ourselves if you want us there um but that you know actually means sharing responsibilities and resources and putting money behind it and uh often these events run with a very very tight budget um so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy you know who is the first one to break the cycle i think we keep on doing our work i think we keep on 
uh, trying to have a conversation. And there are some great producers out there <laughs> who who really do the work systematically. Um, and yeah, what would be your let's let's we're getting close to wrapping up at the end, and I want to know get everybody's final you know your final thoughts on gatekeeping and this could be from a perspective of the positive gatekeeping the negative gatekeeping and i don't necessarily even want to focus so much not to ignore it you know what happened yesterday but what are we going to do about gatekeeping tomorrow Oh, please let me start. Go. Um, <laughs> Manchester folk. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe none of us have shame. I know what, what we've done here, what the community has done here is uh, we were bored of waiting. We set our own events. We have our own communities. Again, Wine and Sitten being probably the flagship one I can think of. Uh, we've made good connections with other promoters and um, we started designing our events, prototyping them, they're in the grow, they're in the make and hopefully slowly take over from below as well as you know work with other communities but there came a point where we ran out of patience and and we're starting it and there um yeah that's i don't want to uh, yeah didn't want to mention to forget uh, that one to three never mind i'm tired it was an hour <laughs> let me drink my water i'm done <laughs> thank you thank you thank you but i i mean for me you know what i think i think that the start is continuously having these type of conversations on these type of platforms, right? And um, have, and especially when you get the large gatherings um, for some of these larger events to start having like the master classes or having um, some type of panel to start bringing up and having these conversations. So it is kind of, I don't want to say forcing people, but it's almost, it's, it's, it's really just dropping it into the actual community um to start bringing awareness to it because at that point it start the it starts the buzz talk right because you can have one you can, i mean I, I love it online platforms but sometimes you got to have it like right there so then it can call it can cause that ripple effect right then there at an event and people continuously talk about it and then they end up taking it back to their communities um i think that is very important and i think the other step that we have to do as, as leaders and community members is again continuously keep reaching out, speaking, and and really supporting those coming into the community. And if you do see the gatekeeping happening, speak up. You have to speak up. And a lot of times, when you speak up, especially if you speak up, and it's like it's like the mint incident happened, and you kind of address a little bit of you don't have to be nasty, you don't have to be really rude about it, but you speak up, and they are amongst their circle. It kind of bring that attention to them, and then it really makes them think like, "Oh shit!" And then I always go back to people: remember your first time. We all have been gatekeeped at some point. No one came into this community with all the gear, with all the know-how, and 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 all the navigation, right? So at some point, you were gatekeeped, and I'm quite sure it was a very uncomfortable feeling. Some of us are stronger to be able to push through it. Some of us are not. And, and that's what we have to understand is that we're all are different. And some of us mentally just don't have don't have it to try to to try to force them with force themselves into a, a bar or force themselves into an event and be comfortable and be okay with just being there. You know, like Hunter mentioned, some of us, some people have spent all this money, and unfortunately, whoever it was that went to Folsom 
they put that money and time into that event to walk away and not really enjoy it. That's that's not okay. That is not okay that you can go to an event with all those thousands of people and you cannot and you don't feel included and a part of. That's to me, that's just not an successful situation for anyone to go through. So just think about mentally what that person walked away with and how it affected them mentally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think where where it really starts is I'm very strong on um, aligning myself with like-minded people that are accountability partners. Not only me just keeping them accountable, but them keeping me accountable as well. When we're going to all these various spaces. We have to make sure that we are watering down what makes us a stronger community, not what, not what weakens our ranks. When you have people who are gatekeeping from a negative, it only weakens our ranks. It makes us less than, it makes our, our longevity as far as a leather culture or fetish kink um, culture so much shorter and sh- so much weaker. So I think when we aligned ourselves as a starting point with like-minded people to keep us accountable, I think we we are a much stronger force as long as we have more people um, on board with the way that we think. And in closing, I think that, as I said, I think gatekeeping has positive and negative consequences, but it depends on how it's implemented and the, the intentions behind it. I would have to say from my side, you know, first of all, a massive thank you to all three of you. One of the reasons I always enjoy doing the podcasts, and I think I will even try to do more often to have, um, you know, uh, broader panels, you know, so we get a much broader perspective. The podcasts for me are always not just a form of a platform, but it's also a learning experience. It is a learning tool for me. And as a, an organizer, as a producer, as someone, you know, who's a part of a very big and popular organization, I am absolutely never above admitting that I still have things to learn, even after doing it for 17 years, because the scene changes, the scene evolves and people come and people go. And sometimes the need changes. When I think about how, you know, dynamic the scene is, you know, we always talk about the good old glory days. Well, there are some new glory days coming. Those days were grand and they were fine, but there are new glory days coming and we have to actually be able to remain open to that. And, you know, me as an organizer, I like I'm not always happy about it, but I like that sometimes people will challenge some of the decisions I do or the things I do, but it it makes me want to make sure that the next event I produce or the next thing I do is even better than the one before. Sometimes we get it right and sometimes we fuck it up, but I like that I have an opportunity and I'm open to always learning. You know, this was good for me today also to understand the need for positive gatekeeping, Um, you know, and this also creates a space for positive change and for positive growth within the community. If we can take the stand and take the responsibility to actually be the mentor, be the educator, and maybe that puts me in a very fortunate position because I have this, you know, we have the podcast, you know, Pussycat, you have a title. Um, Master Jay, you're an educator, you travel all around, you know, 
Hunter, you were part of this amazing organization up there in Manchester, and you guys were like pushing forward and leading the way. And I think what we cannot do is we should never shy away from the responsibility that this kind of visibility gives us, especially when it comes to, and I'm definitely one that's probably a little more guilty of not holding the other people accountable to the type of gatekeeping that I always see. Because I travel around in so many different places, and sometimes I think, you know, well, I'm not from this city, I'm not from this scene, I don't want to like push my way in. And I think that's also something that we should never make people feel like they have to force their way in because we've gate kept them out. You know, this does not help to build the future, the community that we want to see. And this is the kind of negative gatekeeping that we definitely need to work even harder at, you know, eradicating. Um, you know, and not letting people just get away with it just because. Um, but I want listeners, all of you to be even more aware and think of that one time, because I'm sure you can think of one, maybe even more than one, that time when you were standing at the bar and you did, you know, the thing as Mr. J. Tobias, or Master J. Tobias talked about, you turned your shoulder, turned your back. You didn't even give the other person an opportunity to interact to you know invest to even feel like you've shunned them right from the start it's so very easy we do that you know and we make the very easy excuse well i was in a conversation with people and blah 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 blah. okay that's excuses we make this excuse all the time but folks let's call it that's gatekeeping that is also a form of gatekeeping this is a form of exclusion and i want you to also listeners think of it in the absolute very basic form i i was thinking about how can i Describe this in a very basic format of when we think about creating these spaces where people feel like it is intended for them. It is a space where they belong. It is a space that we want to welcome them into. Think about it. If you are a kid going to a new school for the very first time and you walk in and no one talks to you for a whole week. It's just like that. You know, no one talks to you. Let's even go a week. No one talks to you for the first day, your first day at school. You feel like, okay, this isn't a school I want to go to because nobody talks to me here. Nobody likes me here. You know, you go back home and tell your mom you want to go somewhere else because you don't like the school. It is exactly that same pressure and that same feeling. That is a kind of a hurt that a lot of people will not and do not recover from very easily. You know, and, you know, it's one of the things I talked about in another discussion I did. And I talked about our, you know, being empaths of having empathy, of having just the very simple, basic feeling of humanity. We must have this humanity for each other. If we want our scene to evolve and be this amazing, dynamic body community of people and organizations that can always come together at these events like Folsom, MAL, IML, Claude, Darklands, you know, not that I wanted to particularly single Folsom out, but that was the most recent thing where an experience has happened to someone. But this happens all around the world. So we have a lot of opportunities to work on getting this and I wouldn't even say getting it right because we won't get it right in the first time, but we have a lot of opportunities to work on making this better for other people who are coming into the spaces. We have to stop othering. Yes, we can definitely talk about, you know, maintaining authenticity and integrity, but this is where our responsibility as educators and mentors come in. And then our gatekeeping is not negative. We're getting people to understand the spaces that was created before us. 
that we have come into and we are now welcoming people into the same space. So, you know, people, you have to manage your gates and figure out. You ha- you got to manage the gates, you know, you can man the gate and it's fine. You know, you go to bars and clubs, there's always a bouncer or somebody else. They are who's manning the gate. You know, we know that there are venues that people will try to get into again and again and again. They get, you know, they get turned away, but many people get defeated and we don't want to be, I certainly wouldn't want to be the reason for somebody walking away from any event or anything that I'm involved in. And they feel absolutely defeated, um, you know. And coming away feeling like I excluded them from it. I don't ever want to be that. And I'm hoping, listeners, that you don't do that to your community either. So I want to thank you again, uh, Hunter, Master J, Tobias, and Pussycat for joining in this conversation. And listeners, I want to thank you for hanging in there with us. And if any of you are going to be in San Francisco, we will be discussing this topic even further in an open panel discussion with an audience, because I think it's one that's really important that we cannot uh, let slip by. Um, sometimes people have said to me, ah, oh, you should make like a part one and a part two of an episode. And this is one I think that will definitely require a part two um, for this topic for the podcast. So once again, thank you for listening to our chat on gatekeeping, and we'll see you again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.